maybe you become famous, maybe you're giving great opportunity, maybe you dance with Tommy York, but that doesn't mean that you're king or queen. This is the Creative Voyage podcast, a long-form interview show with the mission to help creative professionals level up. I'm your host, Mario De Picolzwane. I'm a creative professional myself, active in the fields of graphic design, art direction, and creative consulting, working with companies such as Kinfolk, Menu, and Sonos. Through season one of this podcast, I present in-depth interviews with some of the world's most inspiring creative professionals, revealing the stories that shape their lives and careers, plus actionable strategies to help you take your mindset and skills to the next level. I invite you to join me on this journey. In this episode, I talked to a contemporary dancer and choreographer. I'm Fukiko Takase. I'm Japanese. Well, I mean, I'm Japanese inside. I'm half Latin American. I was born in New York, grown up in Tokyo, live in London right now as an independent artist, dancer, choreographer, everything, movement director. I believe dance is one of the most holistic creative outlets, and I find Fukiko's work in their domain beautiful, genuine, and inspiring. I first encountered Fukiko through the music video for Angie New by Adams for Peace. I love the song, the art direction, the choreography, but I never looked into who was behind it. A few years after seeing that video for the first time, I had the pleasure of watching Three of Codes, a contemporary ballet made in collaboration between company Wade McGregor, Jamie XX, and Alafur Eliasson. To date, that's the most mesmerizing audiovisual performance I've witnessed. During the ballet, one of the dancers looks familiar. And at the end of the show, I got a hunch that might be the dancer from the Adams for Peace video. When I got home, I looked into it, I discovered I was right, and that's when I started following Fukiko's work more closely. In this episode, we're going to listen to the highlights of the conversation I had with Fukiko in August of 2018. We cover topics such as the importance of nurturing your better self, advice to dancers and choreographers who are just starting out, Fukiko's work routines, the main challenges of being a contemporary dancer working today, her experience of dancing with Tom York, and much more. Both of Fukiko's parents are dancers, and her mom, currently in her 70s, still dances. It's no surprise then that she literally grew up surrounded by dance, spending her time backstage in wardrobes as early as age two. She calls the studio her natural habitat. It's a space in which she feels exceptionally comfortable. It's her playground where she can explore and experiment with confidence. Despite dancing for most of her life, early on she didn't want to dance professionally, probably as a result of adolescence rebellion towards her parents. But something clicked when she was 14 years old and danced as a part of the after-school dance group. She was among the best dancers, but she couldn't get the lead role since her studying was not 100% there, and you had to be the quote-unquote whole package. That made her gutted, but then she decided to go solo and start competing as a soloist. As Fukiko describes it, by being pushed to the corner, she got that extra fire within, and from then on, she knew dance would be her life's calling. I started my conversation with Fukiko, asking her what would she advise her younger self when she was just starting out. I think I would say, like, don't be cocky. <laughs> Why is that? You know? I think because when you're giving, you know, fast price and grand prix so easily that you just think, oh, I'm, I'm on top of the world. I'm so good. And, you know, I don't have to work hard because I just get good price. I just get good position without working hard. Yeah. 
But then afterwards, like I had a moment of crisis. I realized that I wasn't good enough in an international level. My passion was great. My creativity was great, but my training wasn't good enough. Okay. When was that? This was the audition. I auditioned for NDT, NDT2. You know, they have this audition for very young dancers. Like they audition somebody from like 17 to mm -hmm. 20 or something, 22 or like very, very. It's a young company for Netherlands dance company. Yeah, I realized my ballet training wasn't good enough and I wasn't confident enough in ballet. That really knocked me down. I was really disappointed. And of course, like I wanted my parents to be proud of me, but I couldn't really answer that, couldn't really show that. But that was good in a way. Like I needed that. I needed to know where I was and I needed to know that I shouldn't be cocky. Like I should just like work hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Do you think you've learned that lesson? I mean, in some way that, you know, you realize that you're not better than anyone or anyone's better than you. I don't do it so much anymore, but, you know, you shouldn't measure yourself because of somebody else. I keep telling myself, like, you know, go back to the roots. Maybe you become famous. Maybe you're giving great opportunity. Maybe you dance with Tommy York and maybe you do this and that. But that doesn't mean that you're king or queen or somebody important. Or you're important to yourself or somebody who you love. But that doesn't define you as this perfect person or special person. It's not. I'm human like everybody else. And I'm no better than anybody else. I don't want to forget that. I face that sometimes talking to great I don't know, director or choreographer and they're so super famous and they do great work and, you know, you, you have so much respect to them. And I'm not saying like everybody, like this is just the only few yeah. you know, I've encountered, but it's impossible to talk to because their ego is so high up that I cannot talk to them in a human level in a way, yeah. you know, because it's all about, for them, it's all about money. For them, it's all about who they know, who they work with, who they are friends with, who they have lunch with, you know, how many houses they have and great car they drive and pretty wife. You have to be human. Yeah. When I see that, I don't want to be like that, you know? And does that come naturally to you to kind of like keep yourself in check? How do you like manage yourself in that way? Because sometimes it can be easy to kind of fall into that like ego trap. Totally. I think in a way, growing up in Japan helps not to be there, yeah. not to be yeah. so like full of ego. Yeah. But on the other hand, having this culture of Japan kind of suppresses me from to give him my best of me. Sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm not good enough. So I have to work harder. You can't just keep telling yourself, I'm not good enough. You have to value yourself. You've been there, you've done that, you work so hard. And that should be your confidence. That should be your value. That should be your power. We have to kind of balance those two things. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because otherwise you compromise your work, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't give the best of yourself. But, you know, like every time I make work, I feel like, oh, my God, that's the best idea I've ever done. You know, that's the best thing I've ever done. You have to feel that way. Yeah. You should be feeling that way when you create something. Then you move on to the next thing and you face another thing. The thing I make last time was great back then. But now 
I'm facing the challenge again, and I have to、yeah. feel the same way in what I'm facing. I think it's safe to say that Fukiko is in her prime as a professional. At the time of this conversation, she was dancing for the company Wayne McGregor and worked on a range of amazing projects as an independent dancer, choreographer, and movement director. Even though she's humble and struck by it, she's unmistakably an inspiration to many young dancers and choreographers. I was curious to hear what advice Fukiko would give to that new talent entering into this creative field. I think I would say like never give up because it's a hard industry, very, very, very hard industry. You do hundred audition and maybe you don't get a job.、Mm-hmm. It's brutal. You feel like they judge you and you feel like you failed, but it's up to you. Really, just don't give up. If you love it, you have to pursue. You have to fight,、mm-hmm. and the passion is the only thing that keeps this industry. Even the passion from people who maybe not couldn't make it, but we need that. That's why we're here, and really like try as much help each other because otherwise, like who's gonna help us? Yeah, I think artists. We are in a very strong position, powerful position, but very vulnerable position as well because art is not gonna influence finance or politics. It's not gonna directly affect anything that might matter to most of people. But that's why, hence why, it's really important. <laughs> it's this space, space other than that. Yeah. And maybe say yes. <laughs> say yes to everything. On the beginning, just say yes to everything, and you never know. So being open to opportunities. Yeah, where I am, sometimes like you know, I have to say no sometimes. But if you just start it, try everything. You shouldn't decide before. Like try everything and see if you like it. See if you're good at it. I would say believe in yourself because that's the only thing that really kept me going. However I behave, however I say, whatever I do,、mm-hmm. I had this like unexplainable belief or confidence in me. I believed in me, and that really helped. In the end of the day, that you—it's your ass on stage.、Yeah. It's not your mom. It's not your sister. It's you. You believe in yourself. You have to. From the very start of our conversation, I noticed how thoughtful Hukiko was about not just being good at what she does professionally, but overall aiming to be the best person she can be. I found that refreshing and inspiring. Here, Hukiko talks about how she goes about nurturing her better self. In some way, I mean, like it's the soul level. It's not only the physical appearance. It's this purity and. Kind of innocence of this,、yeah. like soul. Like when you go back to the roots and you stripped everything that you kind of like cover yourself up with, then、mm-hmm. you're sort of like baby. It's like a white, blank, beautiful things. Sort of. Yeah. That's really important that to actually to understand the nature of us in a way. But at the same time, it's important that you have to protect yourself. <laughs> Yeah. So, how do you do that? Like, how are you working on yourself to kind of reveal your better self or your truer self? I think to practice every moment that to be not judgmental and to understand that 
it's actually not them. Like when you encounter sometimes, like when you go to like some like facility and they go like, oh, this is too many people. So you're going to have to wait in the queue and we're going to cut the queue and you have to wait, wait, wait. Mm -hmm. And then like we are like, oh, but our friends are inside. Like, and they go like, you know, da, 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 like <laughs> suddenly they're like offensive. Yeah. You just don't feel good about that. You know, you feel awful. You don't mean to stress anybody out or you are not arguing anything, but yeah. they are already in this state of this argumentative and offensive. And, but then like I tell myself it's not them. It's the environment they are in and they're very stressed and they're not happy. So, Really, it's not really about them. It's not them. <laughs> it's yeah. the situation, you know, and the frustration. And to actually to understand in a bigger scale instead of just like personalizing everything. Yeah. I think that really helped for me. I mean, like, you know, I have some days that I feel awful about it. But then, like, I want to be the first one to apologize. I'm sorry to make you feel this way. And I understand where, where you're coming from and... I hope you feel better. So the practice, it's not about competition. I think we all have to learn to live together. Mistakes are a part of the process, but sometimes it can be easy to get hung up on them, or even worse, become paralyzed by the potential of failure. However, that's usually where the most significant learnings and rewards reside. I've talked to Fukiko about how she handles those situations, and if there was any specific failures she experienced and what she learned from those. It's really important to live your life, I think, to learn the lesson. I'm full of mistakes. My life is full of mistakes and myself is full of mistakes. But I embrace them. It's part of me and I'm not ashamed. It's part of it. But how do you, I guess like over time it becomes easier, but like when you have a mistake, when you do something or like you fail, how do you like initially kind of go through that like how do you reframe it how do you is there a certain thing you certain like practices you do to kind of make yourself value it appreciate it kind of go out of the funk phase yeah it's hard it's hard to recover sometimes but try again and don't do the same mistake i think and every mistake is a blessing in a way yeah was there like like a specific situation when Yeah, something like that happened, but then it was actually a blessing. So it like leads you to something even better or like to some lesson that you had to learn. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually, I got kicked out from Rotterdam. I learned a lesson from that. That school kicked everybody out. But it was my fault as well. You know, I was so homesick. It was my first year in abroad and I was 17. I was just so homesick. I was just so homesick that I didn't attend enough class. Oh, okay. I was just like crying at home and I didn't go to school. Up until then, I had my mom to actually tell me what to do. And suddenly I, I had no one to tell me what to do. I felt comfortable just crying at home rather than going to school. And then I got kicked out. <laughs> and then I learned a lesson. Okay, try again. <laughs> I came to London and I went to school every day. You just don't repeat the same things. Just uh, suck it up. You're homesick, but you suck it up. It's fine. Just do it. Hey friends, you're listening to the Creative Voyage podcast. We are roughly in the middle of this episode, so it's time for a short break. There's no team behind this show. It's solely produced and edited by me, Mario. I don't have any sponsors and I have no plans to add any. Nevertheless, I can use all the help I can get growing the show. 
If you like what you've heard so far, there's three simple things you can do for me and future episodes. Number one, review the show on Apple Podcasts. Number two, tell a friend and share a link on social media. And number three, visit the shop on creative.voyage slash shop and support the show by buying bespoke Creative Voyage products. Thanks everyone, let's get back to the show. At this point in our conversation, I've asked Fukiko to share what she thinks are the main challenges of being a professional dancer and choreographer working today. Dancing is basically you. It's yourself on stage and you have to like dance your guts out. You are so exposed and mm-hmm. yeah. that's why it gets harder. You take everything personal. Then you become professional. The challenge is basically managing your time. <laughs> you know? Okay. You know, I have three projects going in the future, mm-hmm. which as a, you know, as a movement director and choreographer, and at the same time, I'm a dancer. And the challenge, of course, to manage the time is very, very difficult because I'm always not here. I'm always abroad. Yeah. And you have to communicate with people all over the world and manage your time to actually try to see them, to have a proper meeting, to be in certain places at certain time. And also the challenge is to actually anticipate the work that you will be making. You have to decide which theater, you have to decide what kind of lighting you want, you have to decide, you know, be, even before, you have to decide a title, you have to decide. I mean, of course, like you've been thinking about it for like a year and two years about that. But yeah. still, like you don't know what you're making. You basically don't know. Yeah. But you have to make decision a year in advance. So that's really challenging for me. Like everything will work out in the end. That's my belief. And that's what's been happening in my life. So fingers crossed you'll be like that. But to actually like to anticipate your product in advance, that's very challenging for me. So you kind of like for a lot of projects, you kind of have to apply to like certain theaters or like to get like certain financial support. And then you kind of have to define a lot of things even before you kind of made it. Is that what you're trying to describe? I'm in a really good position, to be honest. Like, I've been given the opportunity, so I don't have to, like, gather the money for by myself. That's another challenge I think a lot of people are facing, and I probably have to face it in the future. And that's very hard, like, fundraising and all that. But for me, it's more the creative side of making decision of, okay, let's do this on this theater with this many dancers and this kind of element and the environment I want and the length of the piece. I mean, like maybe not so much the length of the piece, but what kind of prop that you want or... I mean, like little things could move, but the big things like, you know, which theater that you're going for, you know, what kind of collaborator you want in. So like those things to actually to see the future even before and yeah you work it out in the end but like to actually decide what it is beforehand before even you in the studio it's challenging for me in the moment that I have like so many ideas and like I could like try this try that but before you, I'm actually working it's, it's very hard to make a call make decision yeah. of this this is what I want this is what it is and 
you know, I have this idea, I have this vision, but it's not the actual things. And also you actually have to sell the idea even before the product. That's hard. <laughs> to whom you most often have to sell it to, for example, in your field? Well, the money people, I guess, one. And who are those in your industry? There's a lot of uh, sources that you can find. I mean, you can find private donor maybe, or you can find the organization, or you can find, I mean, like Arts Council. It's like a huge founder in England. I mean, I'm so lucky that I don't have to do that. I'm like really maybe rare artist that I don't have to go through that. But I know like a lot of my friends are putting their hair out to actually write the application. Just like stick your head in a computer and just like tap it away. And why you don't have to do that? Why are you in that position? I don't know. Like somehow it comes to me now. Okay. So you're basically getting opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe I shouldn't speak too soon. Yeah, at the moment, like I'm like this. I'm on a roll. <laughs> And also I still dance. I'm still a dancer. So, you know, like half of the year I'm dancing. I'm focusing on my dancing. And half of the year I'm focusing on my own thing, you know, as a choreographer. Yeah. So, you know, challenging. I mean, like my personal challenge is to balance that. Because if I just like choreograph, then I might not move so much. Then I don't have proper training. If I just movement direct, then I'm not moving all day. Yeah. So like to keep yourself in shape, not to get injured. Those things, it's a slightly different, I mean, totally different challenge. When you look at the financial side of the industry, is it like a possibility to work as an independent dancer and choreographer? Like, is that something that's like attainable? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, in which way? Do you also have to be, like, associated with a dance company or you don't have to? Like, is there, do you need, like, different, like, sources? Because, like, for example, in a music industry, like, it seems like you now need, like, all these different types of income both like the music sales but the merchandise and the gigs and maybe sponsorships and uh, people who are buying rights to have your music in a commercial yeah. then when you kind of combine all of that you can make a decent living like how how is it with like with dance yeah i mean dance like with wayne's company there's always rights When there's like a certain show that's coming up, then you get some like uh, percentage to the collaborator. But then a lot of job I do, they don't give you any, even a commercial job, it's buyout. So mm -hmm. there's not much of that for dance. So yeah, so you're gonna have to negotiate your ass. I mean, totally negotiate. You're gonna have to like tell them double or triple. Because, you know, you're not going to get any rights. You're not going to get... That's first first thing you have to make sure. I mean, it's very possible that, you know, and I know so many people, independent artists, as a dancer, choreographer, is successful. Yeah, I mean, you still have to keep working. You also have to look, but you, ha you also have to put yourself out there. Maybe partially because I'm still working for a company, You know, a lot of people retire and they do their own thing, but I'm doing the both. So yeah. that really helped for me to actually get the opportunity because I'm putting myself out there. I mean, at the same time, I have to coordinate the time and a lot of time that it doesn't work out. I'll be like in Russia, but this is in Germany. And so I can't make it. So that happens, yeah. good and bad. Like you work in a field which entails a lot of 
It's like a public performance. It's you. It's very personal as well. And especially if you're trying something new, the stakes can be high and it, it can be physically and mentally exhausting. Yeah. So I'm curious, how do you like manage that? Do you have a certain internal like self-talk or do you have any like tactics or like routines which help you to overcome those like those challenging moments? I think speak to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speak to my mom or my teacher. I mean, speak to somebody that you know that you can get different angle because you can think about it as long as you want. But sometimes you need to think from different angle yeah. and the solutions, it's there. There's always a solution. There's always something's going to work out. And, you know, you need a help. If you need a help, you ask for help. I think that really helped for me. So it's yeah, seeking advice from mentors. Yeah. And what would you say is a thing that you're, let's say, struggling with the most right now? Emailing. <laughs> <laughs> so much emailing that I'm struggling with, I guess. I mean, maybe that's a stupid thing to say, but <laughs> just like communication can be really madness sometimes. Why is there so much emailing? Because there's like, it never ends. Maybe it's just like me. I'm, I'm maybe I'm just shit at emailing. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, like I get it done. I get it done. Yeah, but is it like emailing about like just about projects? Is it, there's like so many like moving pieces or like yeah, projects or contracts. Yeah, because I do work in different country, so the the issue of tax as well, like in the these like boring things. Yeah, because you are everything, right? Yeah. Like I'm doing everything myself. I'm negotiating the fee and I'm deciding who I work with and stuff like that. So like, you know, these like logistic things that, yeah, but like those things, like I'm admin myself. So yeah, that's really challenging because you're everything. Yeah, yeah. Dancer, your choreographer, your producer, your admin you're somebody looking after dancers at the same time. Yeah. Like little things, like boring things. <laughs> But adds up, you know, adds up. <laughs> a work of a professional dancer, like any creative, takes much more time than merely doing the activity which is implied by the title. I was interested in hearing what makes Fukiko's workdays both the fun and those less entertaining parts of it. If I'm not touring and rehearsing at the studio, it'll be like you start from 10, you have a warming up class, either ballet or contemporary for hour and a 15 to hour and a half. Then you have break, 15 minutes break. Then you have a morning rehearsal until about 1.30, 1. And you have one hour lunch. Then you come back an hour later and you dance until 6.00. So more or less, what, how many hours? I don't know, eight hours, eight hours of dancing. Okay. Some people do more training than that, but yeah. But then on top of all those things, you said you have also some other projects. Yeah. And emails. Yeah. And, and maybe social life. <laughs> I know, it's so hard to balance your life on top of that. Yeah. You also want to go for dating or something, yeah. but, you know, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, no time for boys. <laughs> If we are on tour, it'll be like slightly different schedules. I mean, every company does different 
things. But I mean, first of all, you have to travel to wherever. And normally we have a, you know, traveling day rest. And if it's like very long journey and you have a day off, if we go to America or something that you need to adjust the time zone. So you rest the next day, you get into the theater the following day. And normally, because the show starts from like a seven, eight, if it's late, then it's nine or ten. So you start the day later. So you have like lay in in the morning, but you finish everything at like at least earliest nine thirty in the night. Yeah. So you're more or less working for a long time. But then from the following show, from the second show. You only start from afternoon, like 4, 4, 4 p.m. or something. And you finish at, what, 9.30, 10. So you work less from that. So you can maybe like sightseeing if you want. Yeah. A lot of people do, but I normally don't have energy. <laughs> I stay, I, I prefer to stay in bed. <laughs> Save my energy. Yeah. <laughs> so it depends on the show, I guess. If you have an easy show, then you have time. As I mentioned in the introduction, I first encountered Fugiko's work through the Adams for Peace music video, which was choreographed by Wayne McGregor and starring Tom York and Fugiko. I'm a huge Tom York fan, and because of that video, and later on the contemporary ballet Three of Codes, I became a fan of Fukiko as well. So, towards the end of our conversation, I had to indulge myself and ask Fukiko about her experience of dancing with Tom York. It's still quite like vivid for me, like the day. It was on a Valentine's Day on, I believe it was, when was it, five years ago, wasn't it? Like 2013? Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, Valentine's Day. Yeah, I remember that day. I got picked up by cab. And we were shooting at the Greenwich Laban Center. It's just like a dance school. Mm-hmm. And they have a theater inside it. It's cute, cute little theater. It's a good size. And then... So like, you know, we had a suit tailor made mm-hmm. from like like two months ago or some three months ago or something. But the suit took a very long time to make. Okay. Obviously it's tailor made and they have to fit it. Yeah. Like many, many times. Mm-hmm. I mean I had such a great time like going to like Seville Road and like going to the gentleman's the tailor made tailor yeah. shop. Yeah. I still have suits with me. Oh, nice. And it's, it's, yeah, it's such a great, great, great suit. I only wear them for like very important occasion and I don't wear the four things at the same time, obviously. But yeah, it's a great, great, beautiful suit. Yeah, but we had an issue with my shirts because the shirts was like too big on my neck. And Julie, Tom's manager, she basically saw my neck, back of my neck to make it smaller. <laughs> and yeah like she did it like manager did it you know <laughs> she's so sweet she's so nice i always invite her for the show actually there was a makeup artist there but somehow they wanted me to do the makeup <laughs> okay. so like i was like okay then i did my like usual makeup for the performance but not so much not too like strong i just asked the makeup artist to do my eyeliner and she was you know she gave me like a great hair grip to do mm-hmm. to for my hair not to be like so messy and then yeah I hour later like I kind of like came in oh before that like Tom was like oh which shoes do you want so there was like two option of trainers 
like a spring coat, white mm-hmm. trainer, like a basic one. Mm-hmm. And the other one was grandson from the leather shoes that we were wearing. Yeah. And in the end, like we decided to wear this leather shoes. Yeah. And because we were dancing in it, so I was kind of like working it out from like one week before. I was like wearing on the street to make it like softer. Ah, okay. Yes, like it was ready for the you know performance. And then it was so relaxed. It was just so relaxed that day. The atmosphere was so relaxed, and it was just like only people who needed to be there. Yeah. You know, Das, uh, the director, he had a great leadership, but it wasn't really overwhelming. It was just, you know, he's there and just like telling and like, let's, we started from beginning sequence and basically Wayne made it on the spot. So was there like any like rehearsal or is it just like that one day? One day, six hours. Ah, so that was made like you just came there and like... Yeah, six hours. And And before that, you never danced together or... No, no, no. We met at the tailor shop and we just chat, but really wasn't anything like rehearsal or anything like that. So Wayne made some phrase and we learned it and we shoot like 30 second by 30 second or like 15 or, yeah. you know, like just slot at the time. Yeah, it was just so smooth. And towards the end, at the very ending, we were like, oh, okay, what should we do now? Like, we kind of like explore sort of all the options and Wayne asked Tom, what do you think? And then Tom goes, I think the shakes gotta be in there. You know, like Tom (laughs) do this, like this funny, like shakes, you know, in the concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what came from. Yeah, that was Tom's idea to shake, like towards the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, like, idea was there from, like, months ago. So there's two people and, you know, like, is it him, is it her, is it one person, is it two people, this kind of thing. And then dancing together. So that was the idea. The idea was there, but then really, like, it came together on the day for me. I'm sure they had a vision already, but, yeah. And what's amazing was that they were editing on the spot already oh okay yeah i mean shooting was postponed for about i don't know how many months like two months or something because tom's wife at the time was very very sick mm-hmm. and yeah she just couldn't be present yeah so that's why it was done in february and they had to edit on the spot and you know like a few days later it was released oh okay so it was like a super quick production yeah, it turned out to be, yeah. But yeah, for me, it's like so beautiful. I watch it like often. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's my favorite as well. Yeah, it's like a um, treasure in my life. And it does look like it was very, not easy, but like it looks like it was very like natural and... Yeah, organic. Organic yeah. and kind of like with the good chemistry. So, so I'm kind of glad to hear that it was actually like that. And also when I got this offer, was... I was at the Opera House. I was at the Royal Opera House and we were performing that day with the Wayne's company. And I think it's been two years at the time in a company. And then Wayne just like walked over, walked towards me and he said like, oh, would you like to dance with Tom York? He asked. And I was like, okay. I didn't really know Tom York back then. Okay. I grown up in totally different culture. Okay. I knew his name. I knew Radiohead, but it wasn't the thing that I 
listen to. Okay. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, sure, okay, I'm around. And yeah, yeah it was just like so casual. And then, you know, I realized the altitude of it, like much later on. Ah, okay. I told like in my colleagues, yeah, I'm dancing with Tom York, apparently. They go like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you know, it's like artist, it's a singer. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but it's Tom York. Like, okay. <laughs> that was actually good things because if I were like starstruck, then I don't think I'll be able to do anything organically. Yeah, right? Yeah. We've come to the very end of my conversation with Fukiko. I try to wrap up every episode with closing takeaways in the form of actionable or inspirational advice from my guests. Here's what Fukiko shared with me. I think I said this already, but I think to live your life, I think I had this experience of being choreographed. I was a dancer and choreographer was like a very, very young artist. Mm-hmm. And he's very, very talented. I'm not going to say the name. He's very, very talented, but... I was offended. I was very, very offended that he hasn't even lived his life. And it was about the matter of like uh, death and life. And it's okay. It's an important topic. But I was offended. How dare you? How dare you? Like, you don't even live. You haven't even lived. But it's not, maybe it's not about the age sometimes. And you could just feel it. Like, because we perform on stage for how many thousand people and we represent them in a way i'm her you know she's me yeah and how can i express without knowing it so every little devastation sadness happiness and love is part of you and if you don't experience that how dare you you dance on stage and represent them so really It's so important to live and experience all this emotion, all this sadness, all these mistakes. And so you can express and you can be compassionate. You can be them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think uh, there's like uh, so many hype about flexibility, technique, and how many turns you can do, how high you can jump and, you know, how fast you can move. But really it comes to you know if you really stripped everything down it's the human it's what we are in a human level in a soul level and it's very very important that you live you live like like you said honest honestly and you feel as much as, as you can i think we forget that because you know of course like you want to make money you want to be famous and you forget that And also, I had this question from a young student that, where do you get your inspirations from? And I was like, okay, yeah, you can see as much as you want, you know, like a museum and read a book, watch the film. You can do all that. But how about yourself? If you're not ready, if you're not in the state of taking all that in, it's pointless. It's very important to be in a right state of your mind and position that you you're in in relation to the world in a way, you know, how you see the world, how you see things. I think that's really important for me. You can be ambitious about taking all the you know information and inspiration, but you need to be ready. You need to make yourself ready for that. 
mm-hmm. I think to work together to support each other yeah we need us and we need each other it's easy to kind of keep your fortune and not to share because maybe you suffer before but it comes back to me if I give in a way I think that's very important For everybody at home keeping score, I believe we touched on a lot of useful information for anybody out there interested in contemporary dance, choreography, and growth as creative professional. I want to thank Fukiko for coming onto the show. She's a wonderful and inspiring individual, and I'm grateful for the fresh insights she shared with me. Links to Fukiko's work, as well as to some other things mentioned during our conversation, can be found in the show notes at creative.voyage slash podcast. You can follow at creative.voyage on Instagram and you can also email me directly on hello at creative.voyage. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and until next time my friends, take care.